Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. I have a kind of exciting guest in my opinion. Um, we're switching it up a little bit and having a comedian join us. You know her from the Larry Sanders Show, The Tonight Show, The Late Show with David Letterman, The Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, and so much more. The one, the only, the wonderful Wendy Liebman. Thanks so much for having me. What you left off of that list? What? Tell me. Was I'm a stepmom. Oh shoot! My greatest show. You're a stepmom too, right? I am a stepmom too. I'm so glad you're here because um, you know I always interview actors and all the shows that they're doing, and so many actors that come along and through my studio, they always have one dream, and that is to be a stand-up comedian. And to me, that is the gutsiest, the scariest, the uh, most frightening thing to do, because a little side note, I did that in my early 20s, and I got up in the comedy store, and... You tell me. I know. I always had laughter, because all I did was, I did a Jewish rap song, and then I did uh, characters, because I worked at Nate Nell's Deli, Yes, I did. And it's the only place where you can put on your uniform in age 50 years. <laughs> I heard they're closing. I'm very really? excited about that. Yes. So anyway, I did it and probably could have had a nice run, but I was so nervous. I don't even drink and I had to have kamikazes before I went on. So I was like, okay, forget it. I'm, not, I'm moving so on. So audience. that's why. Yeah. That's why I'm so happy to have you. So well, tell us your story. Were you an actress first? Were you always... It, you know, did you come up with voices? What, what, what? First of all, I'm so thrilled to have met you in the first place and Thank then you. to be here. Aww. You really are special. Um, I start, I Thank started you. as an actress. Yes. I was in all the plays in like camp and high school and college. And I was, um, it was musical theater, mostly. Mm. I was Eliza in My Fair Lady, and I swear <laughs> to God, that was my claim to fame. That was 40 years I ago. I didn't know you were a singer. I sang before I smoked cigarettes. I don't smoke anymore. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. But, but you do sing. I can sing, but I pretty much went from a soprano to an alto. Whatever. <laughs> All right, tell us your past. Okay. Tell us. Okay. So I was... Dorothy in uh, Wizard of Oz, and I had all these bit parts, and then I had a funny part in college in Uncommon Women and Others, a play by Wendy I can't Rosser believe it. Stein. I was in that play also in Were college. You Carter? I was no. Carter, the philosophy oh major. Okay. If everyone, you guys don't know this play, but Carter is pretty much stays mute during yeah. that whole play. She is a catatonic <laughs> philosophy major, but she has all the funny lines. So that's where you found your comic. I got laughs. And let me tell you, it was addictive. Yes. Getting the laughs. Getting the, the laughs. Woman, actually, the woman who directed this play was a woman named Nancy Nair, who's a casting agent. Oh my gosh! No, it's that's such a crazy. Small world. It really is crazy. So I got a little addicted to getting laughs, and then I I thought I'm going to be a psychologist, like I studied to be, and I really couldn't deal with it. I couldn't yeah. deal with being around such crazy people. <laughs> and I was very depressed at the time. You were? I cried a lot, yes. I oh. was clinically depressed. This oh. was in the 80s, and I was in my early 20s. I think everyone in their early 20s is a little depressed. I know. You know, it's that shock I, of getting into the real world. But God, I, I don't want to 
you know, pull away from your real depression? <laughs> well, I found stand-up comedy. I took the mail-in from a wrong, from the wrong apartment. And really? It was a course catalog from the Cambridge Center for Adult Education. And at first, I took an acting class. And I, I was it. very excited. And the teacher, after the first class, quit. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and then the second class, they told us to pick another class. So I picked how to be a stand-up comedian. I love it. And... You can't, I don't think you can really teach somebody to be it, but it's like anything, learning anything. If you're in that arena, if people's attention is focused on that, like mm-hmm. we just sat around and helped each other, right. basically. And my teacher was a guy named Ron Lynch, and he still works out here. He's been on the Sarah Silverman program and Bob's Burgers, and he's oh, a great Oh, do you stay in actor. touch with him? Yes, he's oh, a great actor, actor himself. Um, so what was your first... So two minutes so, so you, did you go to open mic nights? I did, did I went to a place called Stitches uh-huh. in Boston this is where I was in Boston and apparently nobody could hear me but I just knew I should be there and for years honestly I'm telling you the honest truth right now not that there's a fake truth <laughs> well you well, never some know, would you say never know. Yeah. this is the honest truth yes. Jerry yeah I am 57. I started at 23, so 34. I'm not good at math. Not until last Saturday night did I ever feel like I was a comedian. Really? Yes. That's pretty deep. I was on stage at Vitello's on Saturday night, and I felt like I was finally... You finally arrived. Yes. Okay. Let me cut backwards, and then let's go forwards to how your age and everything else, but you don't look a day over 40. So that's, <laughs> you know, that's all we really care about, right? Um, but you're, so when you first started, did, did you always get accepted on that stage? Where Was your audience always um, responsive to you? Did you ever get booed off? Did you ever feel like, oh my gosh, they don't like me at all, but there was a need, a drive inside you that pushed you to keep coming back? There were a few times early on that I really bombed and I said, I'm not doing this, I have too much dignity. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is addictive. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to sound a little nuts, but my paternal grandmother uh, was also depressed and had shock therapy. Mm. This is in the 40s or whatever, mm-hmm. 50s. And I go, I feel like that's what happens when I go on stage. Like, it's oh. some kind of jolt yeah. of energy and I don't perform that much anymore um, and that also might contribute to why I'm finally feeling like I, I can like breathe and think about my act and construct it better and um, I'm not as anxious to, to get on stage just to get like a fix okay let's tell us your first really real live show okay um, out of state and did you ever perform at the comedy store or um What's the other one? I'm blanking. Improv? Laugh yeah, the Factory? improv. The improv, yeah. Or the Laugh Factory. Well, my whole story started because somebody, Bud Friedman, had a big competition. Oh, tell and us. And so it was a national competition, the Johnny Walker Comedy Search. And I was, quote unquote, discovered in Boston. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was Alex Friedman, Bud's wife, who said to Bud, she's funny. Mm. And so he brought me here to LA and I competed against a few other people and I didn't win the whole competition, but the Tonight Show was there and they put me on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson a week later. Oh. And so... How was that experience? It was so surreal because I'd been watching the show my entire life. Um, 
And you know how like he gave the okay sign yes. and he comes sit down or whatever. Well, he gave me the okay sign, but the camera didn't see it. So I was <gasps> devastated because I didn't get called over. But anyway, it still is one of the most <laughs> surreal experiences. experiences. So yeah. you didn't get asked to the couch? No, I mean, it didn't happen is, always. It right. happened to like Drew Carey and Ellen right. DeGeneres. Right. But you're um, just as funny. Well, thank you. It's true. But I feel like I... But I let me just interject. Watch. Okay. Because you had that rejection, and that could have gone two ways. Even though it was such an elevated experience to be there, psychologically, you could have gone the opposite and roll, you know, unraveled. Right. But you chose to rise up, which is I'm the biggest believer of, in any capacity, in any situation. Of rising up. Yes. And just uh, having... A confidence that I knew I was supposed to be doing this mm. so it took me 34 years to feel like I was finally doing it which is surreal um, I heard that Phyllis Diller say she only had one good show <laughs> in like her 50 year well career. I just have to say doing stand-up is incredibly hard so what kind of advice would you give to young you know actors or non-actors or anybody listening that has that craving to do it how do you get your first minute together your three minutes together do you just get up and do an open mic night do you just risk it do you just riff it what do you do I don't know what the open mics are like here I think you have to stand online but I do know that there are a lot of classes here and mm -hmm. as I said earlier I don't know if you can teach stand-up but it's a place to get your feet wet mm -hmm. and do your minute to in front of your class and usually there's stage time attached mm -hmm. um, I started my own room because I wanted to perform in town so I started my own room at which um, Wendy does a monthly show called locally, locally grown, grown comedy locally grown comedy at Vitello's I've had everybody from Joe Coy to Tig Notaro John Mulaney Eliza Slesinger. I miss Tig oh I missed that one that was early on oh. and John Mulaney early yeah on John too. Mulaney oh my god George Lopez and Arsenio it's a really fantastic show um, yeah. um, I'm going on July 31st everybody come come meet us down there <laughs> it's super funny we have, you have, do have some great guests that are coming on Eddie Peptone and Beth uh, Beth Lapidus, who started Uncabaret, which I think is, she's like a pioneer because she basically started Kathy Griffin and Janine Garofalo Amazing. and Taylor Negron, and she gave them a space to be alternative. Mm. And she's still doing Uncabaret, but I said, you have to do my show. <laughs> so I don't know what she's going to do because she's not a stand-up, but... That's going to be incredible because yeah, it's, gonna be it's really... It's there's different elements yeah, of stand up. There's joke to joke. There's people who sing. You're basically telling stories. Right. You're a storyteller. I haven't had a prop comic yet. A prop, like carrot top. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, but the advice I would give to anybody doing stand up is perform as much as humanly possible. Because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people in their head they think they're a stand up or they want to be a stand up, but unless you're actually doing it you don't know what it's like maybe you don't want to be a stand-up mm -hmm. I've met people who don't like the actual world of stand-up comedy mm -hmm. they like performing uh, but they might not like traveling but what did you like about game. it when you first started because you didn't start did you did your first major gigs um, happen just traveling throughout I basically country? was in Boston and I performed I had a day job for six years so oh. I never wanted to be a starving artist okay so good I had a day Smart job choice. And then at night I would go to Rhode Island, Massachusetts, 
Connecticut, mm-hmm. someplace. Um, and the other thing I would say is write material all the time. Always have a pen. Always write it down. The older I get, the more I go, oh, I'll remember that later. And then I'm like, oh, I never remember. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially so, later now. <laughs> yeah. So perform as much as possible. And that's advice I give. Um, I mean, the writing every day. That's advice I give because I wish somebody had given that to me, to try new material all the time. Because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of material. You don't have a lot of material? I don't. Really? Because it seems like you have tons of material. Well, I have a lot of jokes. Uh-huh. And I have written jokes my whole life but I haven't put them into cohesiveness and you've been so uberly successful in this field I've been very very lucky and patient and I my intention of being a comedian is I honestly just want to see you again someday on the street and you smile because you remember that I made you laugh. Oh. Like, that's what I want. I love it. I truly just want people leaving the room feeling better than they felt when they came in. And that's like beautiful. it wasn't a waste of time. So it's a giving. Yeah. You're a giver. So, but right now what I'm doing, because I don't perform that much anymore, except my show, Locally Grown Comedy. Um, <laughs> she she kind of whispered that. You see it went to the back of her throat. Vitello's. Restaurant.com. I'm writing a play. Incredible. And I'm going to use you. I'm going to hire you. Oh, yes. To um, let me read it to you. Okay. Because it's a one woman show, but I'm not necessarily doing it for me. Like, I picture Tina Fey, I picture Mm. Jennifer Aniston. Mm. I shoot big. Because Mm. why not shoot big? Why not shoot big? You have to shoot big. Why not shoot big? If I don't shoot big, nobody's going to shoot big Agree. Agree. I'm not going to be a bitch about it, no. but I'll somehow get it to these people. And you will, um, because yeah, you want to make I'll it happen. Anybody can way. make anything happen. I truly believe if you want to do something, you can find a way. 100%. Um, so it's called, my play is What to Wear to Therapy. Oh, I love it. A play in two sessions. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and it's basically Allison Miller talking to a therapist who isn't there, really. Great. It's the audience. And right. And so it's a weird dynamic between... I'm getting goosebumps because it really is a relationship. It's about the relationship with the audience. Because I do go to therapy. Yes. And I always rec- recognize the similarity. It's like, it's 45 or 50 minutes, like my stand-up right (laughs) one of us is laughing or crying (laughs) well i'm looking forward to reading it great that would be amazing i'm gonna use you um you can use me all you want so wendy is incredibly talented and i hope everyone kind of looks her up and different things that she's done she's so funny and definitely come come see her at locally grown but i want to talk about some other things okay because so you were having this you know career and then Actually, a big obstacle did happen For, first early on because you got a show, right? Tell us about that story. I was given a show, I think it was um, CBS. Okay. And I co wrote the pilot with a guy. And Was this based on them seeing you perform? Or I, I honestly have blocked it. She's blocked it out. Okay, so she wrote the show. It was for her. It was, it was called, called Wendy. Wendy. It was about her. It was, but it wasn't really about me. I was. I take that back. It was sort of me, but it was like my style. But it right. wasn't like my 
job or anything in my life or anything. But they loved the pilot, but they recast me. Mm. They cast Nicole Miller mm. from Mad TV. Mm. And then she, Nicole Miller, is that her name? And then she couldn't get out of her contract. Not Nicole Miller. Nicole Miller is a fashion designer. Nicole, <laughs> somebody. Um, she couldn't get out of her contract, so the pilot died. Oh. Um, so let me ask you, yes. were you fired as you were in makeup or wardrobe or there was... The table read? It was after the table read. After. I was told later that night. and That is so devastating. It didn't really come as a surprise because since I had moved to L.A., which was um, at that point 10 years before, I really found myself struggling to learn how to act again. Mm -hmm. And it, honestly, I'm not just saying this because you were interviewing me, but it wasn't until I found your class that I realized what I was trying to do. Oh, that is so no, nice to I say, but that's that. a million years later. I It is a million years later, but it took me that long because I had so convinced myself that everybody else was right. And even though I might not be an actress, although I say that some people are act kid actors, I'm going to be an actress in her 60s. <laughs> um, even though I'm not... So then you yeah, know what? You what? did let that scar you. You let that take you down. You didn't have a support system that can make you see that you still are an incredible artist and just because their opinion, they didn't want you for that particular role. But then again, let me just sidetrack because the table read is everything. And if and you probably didn't, didn't even know this being even an executive producer or writer because if you're not super prepped and hit every single joke uh, at that table read, Nobody works with you when they could have easily worked with you. They just sort of talk behind your back and then replace you. And it's a very, very painful, fast moving, you know, the world is fast moving. The, the actor, you know, it's painful for the actor. But unfortunately, you let that affect you because then you shied away from acting. I shied away, but I did continue to take classes. Oh, you did? But I never found an acting teacher until you out here who could even act interested in me. Like, I, really? I always, yes, I had a really hard time. Um, I had a real, I, I had a really hard time until I met you. And what you showed me, Shari, and on, again, She's I'm the only talking, one who says Shari. <laughs> <laughs> what do people call you? Shari. But it is Sherry. Sherry. But I've made the twig on my oh name my to sound more. Sherry. Because I heard less. somebody call you Sherry recently. I was like, um, it's Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I you taught me that acting is about being. Like I have And nobody's to, taught you that before. I have to live first before I can act. Yeah. Right? And this is very interesting. I was teaching a class on stand-up comedy at the mm. Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop, which is every other year in Dayton, Ohio. I, I know you're jealous. And there were two so young girls in my class. And I gave everybody a joke to read because I wanted everybody to get a laugh on stage. So I had a joke, like a bona fide joke. Okay. And these two girls, the youngest people in the class, interpreted the joke in such a like organic way that you thought they were making it up mm. and I thought this is about age like they're less tapped into how they should be they're and, the critic they're just right. not being critical so of themselves I was good when I was younger mm. and then I just got too self-critical I think but after that pilot did you pursue acting or did you just kind of close that door and just pursue your I think it took me a long time to like take another acting class and then go out for a few auditions right but 
I I'm not disappointed. It it's not that. Not what what, what the message oh, is? Yeah, what's is, the message? Is to when that shit does happen, and it will happen, and it has happened to a lot of actors that you get fired from things. Is to just just believe in yourself even more, and feel it, and cry, and feel that pain, but then then put yourself together, and then get even more determined. It's well, like a mindset because if you believe in yourself then no one else can tell you not to believe in yourself. Well, that's so helpful, and I wish I had done that right away, but I feel like I'm doing that now. Which like is, I there's... Feel, I'm patient. Yes. Like, I really feel like I've climbed back, and I... I the, the people who rejected me then, some of them are gone from the industry. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, um, I also was asked to give some elementary school kids some advice, and I said... When you get rejected, just use that as information. At it's not rejection; it's direction. So I love that. I've had to repeat that to myself. It's so like, true, though. Um, yes, I. I have to. But repeat. let's switch up a little bit okay. to the accolades okay. of, of your career, and you've had so many, and you won an award for best comedian when, where? Nineteen ninety six, the American Comedy Award. That must have been so thrilling. It was so thrilling, and Lily Tomlin gave me the award. Incredible. And I, I okay. So you asked how I started. I was always a little comedian. I used to imitate Lily Tomlin. I would do earn. Uh, What's her name? Um, Irma. Ernestine? Yeah, yeah. One ringy dingy. Yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> One ringy dingy. I'm Edith Ann. And now to be in her presence, to meet her, and she's had me do benefits for her. Since oh, it's then. so and amazing. It's kind of like surreal. Yes. Surreal. But I honestly, I want to just stress that point to your audience that if you want something, you can do it. 1,000%. The highs and the lows of it. And I want to be in a Seth Rogen movie. I don't know. Wait, she wants to be in a Seth Rogen movie. Wait, really? <laughs> okay, well, let's conjure that up. <laughs> um, so you've had the highs and lows. How did you write? How do you write a joke? Is there a, a is there a process in your mind that you that you do? Do you pick an action? Do you pick an idea? Do you pick, just go with your thought? Do you pick a personal experience? Uh, most of the time, I will just copy down what my husband says in his sleep. <laughs> um, he is very funny. Jeff is very, very funny. And he does say funny things, and I say, can I use that in my act? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, but but most, when you first started, right, you weren't with him. It, I, just, I write either, um, I give myself a set amount of time, or now, I'm a little bit lazier. I just write when things But when you were first today. starting? Yes. How did you structure your first joke? Oh was it just God. an innate? My first joke yeah. was, oh. this man thought I was Lady Di, and then I found out he was just telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you, you just think of it? I you don't just know like, how that Just happened. your mind? Yeah. I think I would give myself a premise. Mm. The premise was the bakery, and I would say, okay, I'm, at, I'm online. At the bakery, some guy asked for my number. He was flirting with me. He asked for my number. I gave it to him, and then I had to take a new one. So, right. okay, right. um, just I don't know. At the beginning, like the comedians, we would sit in groups and give each other. So it was just you think it's just a natural, um, like a mental ability to take 
a circumstance and to put a funny tweak on it. Yeah, like to have a funny laughter is like the element of surprise. Uh, people laugh. That's what comedy is. Comedy, the that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, people laugh because they're surprised a little bit, <laughs> yeah. or they can relate, or relate, or the tension is cut. So, for example, there's a comedian Drew Lynch who has a stutter. Mm. So his uh, setups are longer. And you're so frustrated because <laughs> he's stuttering. Yeah. And then so by the time he gets to the punchline and it's hilarious, it's such a relief. Mm. So well, what's yours? Mine, what is yours? I've been slowing down lately. And okay. So people said that they like are waiting to hear what I'm gonna say next. So you're you have the setup, the backup, yeah. the material that, that sentence that backs up or the visual that backs up your setup of the joke. Linger, linger, let it land and deliver. Yes. Well, you you teach that in your acting. About I do, but is it the same as it in stand-up? It is the same. It's, um, there is really like a rhythm to it. And if you watch a comedian do a longer set, it is like a song almost. And But everyone's different because everyone's right. innate, you know, personalities. Right. And you don't have a different wanna, rhythm have the same, da-dum, 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 da-dum. like you don't want that every... Right every sentence right so um it's almost like i've fleshed myself out of over the years i want to tell more stories i'm so i'm really becoming my own now so you feel like you're yeah well, that's great though why not you have a no, long time to not? live why not now if not now when if not me <laughs> who <laughs> if not us no. um can i pull it back and discuss um that car accident that that happened Oh my God. So you think you're living your life and everything's going great. And then, you know, catastrophes happen and they can be life altering and make you stop and reassess. Exactly. So what happened? Tell us that story. So we were coming home from a dinner party, my husband and I, at Will Friedle's house. He was on Boy Meets World. Mm. And... My husband has been there many times, but we got lost mm. on the way home, and mm -hmm. it was 11 at night, and we end up on Ventura Boulevard near Tarzana, and we're at a stoplight, four cars across, we were turning left, the two left lanes turning left. Anyway, all of a sudden, a car going 92 miles, <gasps> it was like he was a bowling ball, and wow. he bowled into the all the cars that oh. were, and seven cars were totaled oh. and the woman in the car next to us died oh. and it was after that my very first thought Sherry was I should have eaten the dessert <laughs> <laughs> I swear I understand I should have had the cookie um, but then I thought I have to get back out there because I had been helping raise my stepsons, still going out of town. But so it not. became like a wake-up call because you don't know if it could end in a split second. You never know. And um, Were you hurt? Were you injured from this? We weren't hurt, but the car was total. Okay. And I have goosebumps now thinking about it because it really was this woman's face when she looked at us before she died that we oh. were like, we, I have to take this seriously because you don't, you don't know. You don't know. And, and you can't be, you can't just put it off for tomorrow because it might be too late. I, and you have a message. Right. So I started performing again and that's when I signed up to do America's Got Talent. Ah. And 
So what happened? You just, you had a full career. So even though I had been on television before, the producers didn't care. They had recording artists who already had record deals and Mm -hmm. such. They just wanted to, they just wanted good entertainment. Mm -hmm. So I guess I fit the casting because you know those shows are casting. So I was the woman who was raising her stepkids and, but got back into comedy after giving it up for a little while. You know, they and the debt, did that kind of push you into performing all over the place again, or did that start locally grown? A little bit of everything. I, I realized that um, I had a little more of a following, and people actually came to see me on the road. But I also realized I want to stay home more yeah. and perform, mm-hmm. because there are people here that I could perform for. So I walked into the restaurant, I was like, do you have a comedy show here? And they said, well, we had one but anyway we don't now and our music license we just kind of lost for a little while because the neighbors are getting pissy about yeah. the noise and they go per- this is a perfect time and so we just started it then. and it's incredible and so let me just yes. say this so the car accident woke you up yes when you had when you got fired from that show it kind of pulled you back away but then you found yourself back in the mix of performing Maybe not so much pursuing the acting, which I've always yelled at you for, because if you can do stand-up, in my mind, you can do anything, anything as a performer, because it's the hardest thing. And then this car accident woke you up. Totally. And so do you feel more inspired now, which you, I think you do, because you were saying that earlier, than you ever have? I do. I feel like at 57, I'm just coming into my own. Yeah, incredible. And why not? Well, 57 is the new 32. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion. Okay. So some advice to young comedians, to the funny people out there. What would you say? Advice to the funny comedians. First of all, watch every comedian you can find. Mm-hmm. Have like the history of comedy. Mm. Uh, know about it. But also perform as much as humanly possible and write and try out new material all the time. And try out where? At, uh, for your friends? For You know what? There are open mic nights all over. I'm sure there's a website for open mic nights. And I don't know what the process is now. But if you can't find that, then start an open mic night in your living room. I don't care. I think that's like, fantastic. Just get a And how do these yourself. young um, comedians find their voice, their message? Do you know? Some it's people... So, it's so hard because, as I said, it's taken me 34. What is it? What is it for years? What what have you found? What is your message? What is it? Uh, I think you can be funny and kind. Yeah, you're the you're happy up there. Yeah. Wendy lights up on that stage, and there's like an angel energy all around her. But she's but you're super funny. Scott. I just said she like you're in the third person, but you're super funny. (laughs) Oh, so you would never try stand up again? I'm not a performer anymore. No. I just give, I teach to give to, to help other people grow their lives. Well, that's my, that's ma- my well, thing. Growing, that's what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked me about Locally Grown recently, and I said, I know this is so shallow, but everybody who comes back month after month looks better. Oh, interesting. I feel like it's, ins- inspirational. it's a community. Yeah. There's something to look forward to. It's also like laughter. There's 
there's a whole field of study on laughter. I think it's oh. called gelatology. Oh. And it's on the cover of Time this week, too. Hmm. Um, that when you laugh, you're, it's like basically you're cleaning out the toxins in your blood. And um, I mean, that's... Laughter is the best. Way. <laughs> I mean, we laugh all the time. But yeah. I laugh all the time, even when things aren't funny. <laughs> no, you have a great sense of humor, though. You do. But I'm a happier person. I think people that, if you're not a laughing type person, to almost find, learn how to be that because it actually mentally just makes you feel lighter. They say if you just smile, it does something to your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so. Happy. Happiness. Happy. The happiness no factor. More, no more sadness. No. Well, there's always going to be sadness, but the mindset of happiness is key. Okay, so. Uh, to the comedians, the last three things you want to say again, so... As much stage time as you can, try mm -hmm. new material all the time, and know the history of comedy. And know the history of comedy. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. I love you so much, Sherry, Aww. Sherry. I love you. <laughs> I think you, you are a performer's um, elixir. I don't know. I Thank you know. so you much. You're just the best. Well, I totally love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. So, you know, it's and always about the truth. The truth. You, you I found, found my calling. So I'm right. one of the lucky people in life that can, if you find your calling, then you can just like live it to the fullest. So, you know, a lot of people in life, they just are always in search of what their calling is. You know? So, and I think you found yours. Oh, I think because... I'm getting a call. No. Oh. Oh my God. No, it's kidding. Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Love you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Mwah.